All right. We have a fairly short segment uh, to close with, and I do want to do one obituary. The passing of Ed Ray Jr. Mr. Ray unexpectedly found himself a figure on the world stage when, back in 1976, he was driving a school bus in the rural Central Valley town of Chowchilla when the bus was stopped and all the passengers kidnapped. I remember first hearing about this while driving to the Central Valley by, of all people, Paul Harvey, who on a syndicated radio show noted that uh, there's a school bus missing in Chowchilla, California. And it did quickly attract uh, the attention of the world media. The kidnappers drove Ed Ray and 26 students around for 11 hours before burying them in a Livermore quarry inside a moving van. The trio of kidnappers had planned to demand $5 million in ransom, but Ray and several of the older children were able to stack mattresses and climb out of an opening on the top of the buried van. I guess when they dumped a lot of uh, dirt on top of it, it had partly collapsed the roof. There was a crack. They were able to uh, push open a metal lid, which the kidnappers had covered with 200-pound batteries. They cleared away some debris, and before the kidnappers could even make a demand, their hostages were freed. Ed Ray always insisted that he wasn't a hero. He did what anybody would have done under the same circumstances, and I I think he's right about that. He nevertheless was recognized for his actions by no less than President Gerald Ford. And it was noted in his obituary he was considered to be a pillar of the Chowchilla community and was fondly remembered by family and friends for his involvement in his community and his just basic selfless nature. David Rogers, a Madera County supervisor, was quoted as saying that Ed Ray was a pillar of the community. Saying, quote, Ed Ray, he was Chowchilla. Oddly enough, this correspondent was the only doctor in that small uh, Central Valley town on the 10th anniversary of the bus kidnapping. One of my fellow uh, residents, uh, Bill Hartzell, had been working in uh, the ER and small hospital in Chowchilla and uh, got me a job there, which I had for uh, about a year and a half. And I got to tell you, I will never forget the fact that the nation's media did descend on Chowchilla for the 10th anniversary to try and dig up a follow-up story. And they were frustrated. Pretty much everybody in town had the attitude of, oh, that was a bad thing. Let's just put that behind us and move forward. So I know that uh, when people tried to put microphones in the faces of the Chowchillans to ask them uh, what what they thought about what had happened, nobody delivered a usable quote. All right, in the four minutes we have left, I would note, uh, oddly enough, that uh, my boss, when I worked in Chowchilla, current ER physician in Fresno, Dr. Bill Wilson, gave me a call on um, Sunday morning asking about the eclipse. I thought he was acquiring me for my expertise on eclipse chasing, and he was in part, but he was mostly noting that he was going to drive up to Reading, and he was bringing along a science teacher from Hoover High School down in Fresno who had some really outstanding equipment with which to view the annular eclipse. I told Dr. Bill we were, in fact, putting together an expedition with Gordon Smith, who brought along his son Aaron and his son's friend Brian, along with my fellow Eclipse chaser Jerry Rose from Knight's Landing and uh, his lovely wife Debbie. We had a three-car, eight-person caravan heading north up, uh, well, I took Highway 70 because it's prettier, but the last leg was up I-5 to Sundial Park in Redding. I had purchased a... um, a small spotter telescope, about 20x, uh, 
the week before to try and make it work to project an image of the uh, of the eclipse, and I was sort of frustrated by the fact that it was hard to get uh, a screen in the right place. Brian suggested getting another tripod and hooking up a clipboard to it, which I was able to do, and uh, it projected very nicely. Also made numerous trips to our local welding stores, based in part what uh, what Bob Berman told us on uh, the program a few months back about uh, about viewing eclipses and viewing the sun. And I'm here to tell you that those number five green uh, glasses, those sunglasses they sell in combination with a number 12 uh, welder's glass, or, or better yet, a number 14, makes very good viewing. The helpful people at Praxair told me that the numbers are additive. Mr. McMillan looked up a website and assured me that they were not. <laughs> well, they're maybe not exactly additive, but it was it was close enough for government work and close enough for uh, <laughs> to, close enough to avoid serious eye trouble. And believe you me, with the number of floaters I now have uh, inside of my eyeballs, I, I spent a lot of time experimenting to make sure that uh, the sun really was minimized by that, uh, that combination of, of eye protection, and it was. Uh, a number 14, in combination with the, those five glasses, works great, but so does a number 12. Although the number 14 is preferred, and people recommend that you just you know, go ahead and use that glass, adding up those numbers on top of that is a good idea. And I would note rather ironically, after putting Bob Berman on this radio program to talk about uh, how you should have a number 14, uh, they were pretty much sold out of every welding supply store by the time I went to go get one. Luckily, in this case, he who hesitates was not lost. Um, that The annual eclipse was surprisingly impressive. That ring of fire effect only was present for four minutes, but it seemed more like ten. The equipment that Brian and others had set up uh, made viewing just all the more interesting. Looking at the swimming image of the sun with an excellent high-quality sun filter on, on the telescope, I observed that uh, even though the image appeared to be boiling from the heat along the edge of the moon's limb, you could actually see mountains. You could see little irregularities that were consistent, meaning that there were there were some mountains or hills along the edge of the moon that uh, that stuck out a little a little bit further but it's a well-known aspect of eclipse observing that when you have a total eclipse just before it becomes total or just after it becomes total little valleys along uh, along the limb of the moon along the edge will permit shafts of sunlight to pour through so a little low spot along the edge of the moon is the first thing in which the sun will peer around this phenomenon is called Bailey's Beads. And some of the good news about this, this run up to Reading is that the same equipment will serve you well looking at the transit of Venus coming up on the 5th of June. We'll talk more about that on next week's program. And in fact, I've got more to say about this eclipse. We're going to bring back uh, my pal Jerry Rose, uh, who I went to Turkey with uh, to observe the eclipse back in 1999. And although I'd like to say so much more, I am out of time. Thanks go to Gordon Smith and our good pal, Mr. Will Durst. You've been listening to Radio Parallax. This program was produced by Edward McMillan. I'm Douglas Everett. We'll see you next week at the same time. And last thing, and talking about an annular eclipse and that ring of fire effect, we really have our bumper music chosen for us, I would say. Love is a burning thing And it makes a fiery ring 
bound by wild desire I fell into a ring of fire I fell into a burning ring of fire I went down, down, down And the flames went higher And it burns, burns, burns The ring of fire 